You're listening to a sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, unafraid witness, and uncommon community. If you have yet to do so, we would love to have you join us for worship in God's Word on Sunday mornings. For more information, visit us online at harvestniagara.ca. Thanks for listening. I'm thrilled to be here. It's been a couple of years, and um, I'm so glad. Love this church, love the elders. Loving to get to know Ross and Leanne too, and just uh, even being here today already in the first service, and now this one, just sensing this is good. Uh, this is good, and uh, God's grace is so needed and is upon you, and very hopeful and excited for the future as well, you know. So um, I've been in ministry now for 20 plus years, been at Hope Oakville for about 19 years since we kind of started the core group and stuff. Here's what I know. The longer I'm in ministry, the more grace I have for everything and everyone, you know what I'm saying? It's like the longer you stay in ministry, and you're just really in life, true. Isn't that true? I mean, but you're in one place for 20 years, and man, there's ups, and there's downs, right? And there's times of great joys and, and victory, and there's times of great pain and sorrow. I mean, there's just it's, just, it's just life. It's the way it goes. Like, that's why heaven's going to be better than this place, because heaven is meant to be perfect. This place is not. But in the meantime, we love each other and give grace and continue to believe again in the love of God from our lives. It's just awesome to see and harvest soon to be Hope Niagara. Yeah, that's awesome. So I'm really excited about that. But you guys have every reason to be encouraged. If you're new to this church, man, I even hope today just a little bit, you hear a little bit more of the story and how you even got here. And so I'm thrilled, thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for having us here. And I'm excited to get into God's Word with you. If you have a Bible, please open to Matthew chapter 14. That would greatly encourage me if you open a Bible. And I pray it would encourage you greatly as well. Matthew chapter 14. We're looking at a very familiar passage, but I'm praying it's going to hit you in such a fresh way as well. There's a certain phrase in our passage today that has meant so much to me, especially during the pandemic, especially during the past two years. It's meant so much to me. I think you'll see why as we go along. Um, I consider it a very life-changing phrase. I'm praying this phrase is one that you will remember not just today, hopefully beyond an hour from now, but I'm praying, I'm asking the Lord, he will cause you to remember it for weeks, months, maybe even years. Maybe to the point you open up Matthew 14, you'll highlight it, you'll have it, oh, I remember that phrase, what Jesus said and the meaning behind it. So the more I meditated on this one phrase, the more that my sin was revealed, the more that my faith increased and the more than my expectancy grew. My prayer today is that the weak and the weary and the worried, and even those that feel they are without, you would be wonderfully encouraged by this text today as well. Jesus today, through this one phrase, he's going to do this. He's going to expose our insufficiency. He's going to reveal our inadequacy. And he's going to show us that we are unable, our inability. Why would he do that? Why does Jesus again and again seek to expose our insufficiency, our inadequacy, our inability? He does that to reveal to us in a fresh way again that only he is sufficient, that only he provides true satisfaction, that only he is the fulfillment and the substance of our lives. So what is it? February 27th right now, we're just a few weeks away from the dawning of spring again. And if you're like me at this time in the winter, you're eager for the snow to melt and not just in church basements. You know what I'm saying? You are eager for, if you didn't know that, that happened this weekend here. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So you're eager for the snow to melt and the grass starts to become green and the leaves start to bud and the birds start to sing. And what is that? It's a sign of renewal. 
It's a sign of revival upon creation. God has built it into the earth every springtime that we see new life and new hope and new beginnings. I'm praying boldly that this passage will contribute to that in my heart and yours here together as well. I really believe this is what the Lord wants to do. So Jesus changes everything with this one phrase today. In fact, Jesus changes everyone around him with this one phrase today. Like, What is this one phrase? In our text, we'll see this. It's five words. It's the title of our sermon. Jesus says, bring them here to me. With that one phrase, everything and everyone around him absolutely changes because that's how awesome Jesus is. Some of you are like, I don't understand. You will through God's word as we get into it. Again, if you're weak, if you're worried, if you're woeful, perfect. You are in the exact place that I believe God would have you at this time. So just before going any further, I just want to declare my insufficiency before the Lord because it's just true. So Father, I do gladly say, Lord, unable, insufficient, inadequate, believing so much in the power and the person of the Holy Spirit and asking, Lord, we are not here for routine. We are not here to go through the motions. We are here for an encounter with the living God that we may be changed. I pray, Lord, you will send laser beams of light and love and powerful truth and application to every heart. Please, Lord, would you do that? For those that are dead, cause them to become alive, Lord. For those who are believers in Christ, fill them with faith and joy and tremendous hope for the future in the midst of a very dark and uncertain time. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. If you agree, you can say... Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 14, verse 13. I'll read it for us, and then we will explain and jump in together. Matthew 14, 13. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. He had just heard that John the Baptist died, by the way. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now it was evening, and the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we only have five loaves here and two fish. And he said, here we go, bring them here to me. And he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds and they all ate and were satisfied and they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over and those who ate were about 5,000 men, not including or besides women and children. All right, I'm excited to go through this with you today. So now this is important. This is the only miracle that is recorded in all four Gospels. This is the only miracle recorded in all four Gospels, which to me highlights its importance. To me, it highlights the significance of why the Holy Spirit would include this in every single Gospel. For me, it highlights the reason we should sit up a little straighter. We should recognize the impact of the theology, obviously, within this text. And there's a message here that Jesus really, really wants us to hear. Our context again reveals that Jesus had just received the sad news about the death of his cousin, John the Baptist. On hearing this in his grief, 
He withdraws to a desolate place, our text says. He sought solitude and solace. That makes very much sense. So Jesus gets into a boat. He's crossing across the Sea of Galilee. The crowds, though, our text says, see what Jesus is doing. Jesus goes in a straight line. The crowds are so filled with eagerness to be with Jesus still. They actually, Mark's gospel says they run. They run on foot around the side of the lake, and they actually get there before Jesus does. That's how keen, that's how eager, that's how zealous they were to be with Jesus and whatever was happening they wanted to be as close to him as they could now remember Jesus desired to be alone he had just heard about the death of John the Baptist I mean this is a very incredibly sad time this is a time he's done so much ministry he is tired he is grieving it makes sense he wants to be by himself he steps off the boat instead of being by himself he is met by the masses okay you're grieving, you're tired, you've been pouring out ministry, you've been pouring out yourself on and on, you get out of the boat and thousands meet you wanting more. How would, how would your response be? I mean, how would you be? Most of us, this would, this would greatly aggravate us because we're tired and we're sad and we're grieving and we just want to rest. What does the text says Jesus? Here's the heart of our Savior right here. He's just phenomenal. He's awesome. He wants solace and rest. The crowds meet him though. The text says, you can see right there in the text, he has compassion on them and it says, and he healed their sick. That is the heart of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Apparently, this day of ministry continued all day. It blew right past dinner time. It was here that the, that the disciples realized, hey, we're in the middle of nowhere. The people are hungry. They got to eat. Let's send them away that they might get some food. And from our standpoint in this miracle about to happen, by our standpoint right now, that makes, that, that makes a lot of sense. That's a reasonable suggestion. You're in the middle of nowhere. You're in the wilderness. You have thousands of people there. They need to eat. Send them away. Let them go off. Like at a conference, buy some food. Maybe we can meet again later some other time, whatever it is, right? That makes sense. It's a reasonable suggestion. Everyone is tired. They are hungry. Daylight is waning. But, and verse 16 actually says that. Take a look at verse 16. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. I love the first part of verse 16 then. Whenever the needs of life are visible, whenever we have the needs of life that present us, listen, here's a good lesson. Never send people away from Jesus. Right? Fair? Always bring people to Jesus. Whatever needs we have in life, Jesus is the sufficiency and the very bread of life himself. Don't send people away from Jesus. Always draw people to Jesus because he is the answer to everything we fundamentally need as well. But then Jesus says this to them. He says, you give them something to eat. You know what he's doing there? He's setting them up. He's setting his disciples up. Jesus proposes they fix an impossible situation, humanly speaking, right? With that one sentence, when Jesus says, no, 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 don't send them away. Stay, make them stay here. Now, you boys, you give them something. When he says you give them something to eat, right there, what Jesus does to us a lot in life, right there he exposes their inadequacy, their insufficiency, and their inability. It's an impossible situation for them to fix. Because look now at verse 17. They said to him, but we only have five loaves and two fish. Now, if we get the context for this passage, this is almost comical for us. The disciples, though, would not be laughing. The disciples would be stunned 
and they would be staggered. They say, we only have five loaves and two fish. Now, we know here at the end of the text, there's 5,000, the other gospel says about 5,000 men besides women and children, okay? So most scholars estimate when you add in the women and children, it is probably very realistically 15,000 people. Some scholars estimate 20,000 people that are there. And Jesus says, you give them something to eat. So I tell our people all the time, live in the text, live in the text. Okay, five loaves, two fish. Now, we think of five loaves and we go to the grocery store and we buy a loaf of bread and it has many slices. We can easily feed our family unless your family has like 20 people or something like that, okay? But you can feed an average sized family. But the loaves that we're talking about here, John's gospel says a small boy brought his lunch. Loaves, think like dinner buns, okay? Think like dinner rolls, small, not much at all, enough to feed a boy for lunch. And then we see the two fish. These are not massive 30-pound salmon from Lake Ontario, okay? Get that out of your mind. These are dried, pickled fish like glorified sardines that weren't meant to eat. They're more meant to flavor the bread, okay? That's all they're meant to do. So you have just enough bread to feed a small boy, and you have up to 20,000 people that are standing before you, and Jesus says, hey, boys, you feed them. And they're like, say what? Right? They're just like, and in fact, Andrew in John's gospel, Andrew stands there again, live in the text. You're looking at 20,000 people. Just imagine, there's like a couple hundred here right now. Imagine this times a lot. 20,000 people, and Andrew's like, but what are these for so many? He says that in John's gospel. Exactly, Andrew. What are these for so many? It's an absurd suggestion. It's ridiculous. It's impossible. There's no way. Five loaves, two fish, up to 20,000 people. And Jesus says, you feed them? It's crazy. There's no human way this could ever happen. A small boy's lunch, 15 to 20,000 people. And Jesus says to his disciples, and they present him, listen, then this is our lives apart from Christ. They present him with a paltry, inadequate, ridiculous, and hopeless amount. Isn't this glorious, though? You see what Jesus is doing? This is the starting point to seeing God work. What is? What is the starting point for a a man, a woman, a marriage, a family, children, a church, a leadership. What is the starting point for seeing God work? Here it is, ready? Recognizing we can't. I mean, that is the starting point of the gospel. Recognizing we can't. Recognizing in and of ourselves, we have nothing. John 15, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do Nothing, nothing. And last time I checked, nothing means nothing. There's nothing we can do. We come and we have this paltry, insufficient provision that will feed one small boy in comparison to the thousands and tens of thousands that need to be fed. Jesus is allowing them to see again. You show up with your paltry amount and Jesus wants us to see there's nothing we can do. There's no way we can fix this situation. And so we see the masses, and we see our loaves and fish, and we're humbled, we're humiliated. We're humiliated. It's, 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 it's grievous in some ways. It's so embarrassing. What can we do with all this? But here's what the disciples forgot, and here's a lesson Jesus wanted to teach them without a question. The disciples saw five loaves and two fish, but they forgot the most important part of the equation, which is what? Five loaves, five loaves, two fish. Ready? One Jesus. And when you add the Jesus into the equation, 
everything just changed. As has been so powerfully said in the past, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And that's what's happening right here. Five loaves, two fish, one Jesus. The moment you add the one Jesus again, you can throw out all human rules, all human wisdom, and all human limitations because Jesus just entered the equation and Jesus again will do and can do whatever he wants. I want to stop here for a second and apply this for a second. I wonder what Jesus is saying to us right now today. He says to us, we had this impossible situation, our culture, the world that we live in, the war that's happening in Ukraine, all the things we're doing, all the lies, all the deception, all the lost people out there, the church so small, so pathetic in so many ways, and Jesus says, you give them something to eat. And we're like, well, we can't. I wrote some situations down that Jesus might be saying to you today, you try and lead your family on your own. You try and save your prodigal child. You try and muster up the strength to battle Satan. You go and solve your friend's problems and burdens. You find the wisdom to lead through the confusion and chaos of our day. You gather the energy to raise your kids and keep your home in order. You go find the ability to forgive the person who has deeply wounded you and hurt you and the resentment and bitterness you struggle with. You go overcome the depression that haunts you. You try and conquer the fear and anxiety that overwhelms you. You go heal the sickness that confronts you right now. You go and try to solve the grief and loneliness that surrounds you. You try and fight against the hatred and the division that tempts you in our day. Let alone, church, let alone, you try in rescuing people from death. You try in transforming lives. You try and bring revival. Go ahead, try it on your own. In other words, you give them something to eat. Jesus says to us today, go ahead, you give them something to eat, and you look down and you're like, I got nothing. Like if we see ourselves where we are, I got nothing. And see, and that's when Jesus says, this is why I love it so much, it meant so much to me. Jesus says, that's right, bring them here to me. You've had your turn, my turn. Bring them here to me. Bring your situation, bring your anxiety, bring your struggle, bring your marriage, bring your family. You bring them here to me and let's see what I can do. Because again, the moment Jesus steps into the center of that, there's nothing that cannot happen at this time. Five loaves, two fish, one Jesus. What a principle all throughout Scripture. What a principle this is. The sufficiency of God Almighty, Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit. Think of just a few biblical stories that present this truth. Gideon and the 300. David and his five sweet stones. Elisha and jars of oil. Abraham, as good as dead with no children, the father of all nations. Daniel and his diet. Joshua and Jericho and the trumpets. Elijah and the loaves of bread. Peter and catching no fish, zero, till Jesus shows up. Jehoshaphat and the armies against God's people coming and they start to sing and the enemy is routed. The 120 before Pentecost, in the upper room, 120 people add in Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. And one of the reasons we're sitting here today, because you add in Jesus and the impossible becomes possible. Just all through scripture. It's like we have nothing, add in Jesus, bring them to him, and all of a sudden, again, the impossible becomes possible. The faith, the glory, the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, he is so awesome. Bring them here to me. It's power. His glory, his sovereignty, 
You and me, so weak, so feeble. Jesus Christ, so awesome, so glorious. Just like that beautiful hymn we sing, it's so true. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me, Jesus said, thine all in all. Jesus Christ. I pray verse 18 rings in our hearts for weeks, months. I even, again, ask for years to come. Bring them here to me. It must be Jesus. Apart from him, we could do nothing. Jesus says to you and me today, he says, bring your exhaustion to me. Bring your struggling marriage to me. Bring your crippling anxiety to me. Bring your lack of wisdom to me. Bring your addiction to me. Bring your lack of provision to me. Bring your hopelessness to me. Bring your sin here to me. Bring your lack of contentment to me. Bring your uncertain future, uncertain future to me. Again, he says, you've had your turn. Let's see what I can do. Let's see what I can do now when you bring them here to me. Now watch what Jesus does. Look at verse 19. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds and they all ate and were satisfied and they took up the 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. Wow, in a word, that's it, wow. Loved ones, notice this. Notice that God has his own mathematics. Don't ever forget that. God has his own mathematics, right? Because look what happened. The more that was subtracted, the more that was supernaturally added here. It's just awesome. I mean, these are one of these videos I want to replay in heaven. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to be able to sit there and say, man, how did that work? Like, they start to divide five loaves. They have nothing. Five loaves and two fish. And then supernaturally, the moment they start to divide, it's multiplied. The moment they subtract, it's added. It's just awesome. It's Jesus Christ. There's such powerful principles of glory that are here. Again, this is what he does with our skin. Scanty, and let's be honest, pathetic provision, five loaves and two fish trying to feed 20,000 people. And the Lord says to us today, he says to you and me today, bring them here to me. And the stress is so real, the burdens are so great, the anxiety is so strong, the answers so few. And that's why Jesus boils it down to five words. Bring them here to me. I want to ask you today, what is the Lord asking you to bring to him today? You know, bring them. What's your them? What's your them? Bring them. What's that? Bring them here to me. It's time to stop holding on so tightly. It's time to release. It's time to surrender. It's time to give up. It's time to have faith. What is your them? Bring, bring them here to me. What's your them? What is the Lord right now? And you even know it right now. The Holy Spirit's being so clear. He has even from moments ago. And he's like, that thing you've been hoarding, holding, clinging to, it's time to let go. You need to bring it to me. This is where life is found. Five loaves, two fish, but then one Jesus. You know, i thinking about that reality in my I think about when Hope Oakville was started. And of course, this is all part of our own history here at Harvest Street to be Hope Niagara, love it. And my wife and I were part of a few other couples. There was like two couples at the very beginning, four couples back in 2003. I think I was 28. Oh, 28. I mean, just like that ages me. But 28 years old, and 
And we're sitting there with this, with this dream and a passion, but no idea and no clue and no ability on our own. And really, I remember those early days, it's so exciting, but you're really just presenting your five loaves and two fish. And like, Lord Jesus, and all we need to do is pray our faces off and ask and say, Lord, we believe you're calling us to do this. Whatever. And then to look back and to see what God has done. Listen, there's been so many wonderful moments and so many painful moments. I want to make sure that's so clear. There's been so many highs and so many lows. There's been tears of joy and tears of sorrow and everything in between. But to look back and to say, man, Lord, you have to do it apart from you. We can do nothing. And five loaves and two fish. And part of that five loaves and two fish is this core group that starts driving or starts attending Hope Bulkville from this area called Niagara St. Catharines. And they bring their five loaves and two fish and they desire to see a church plan. And there's wonderful moments of highs. And the church plan is and there's also times of difficulty and pain, whatever, all the stuff in between, but five loaves and two fish, and in prayer and asking, and look at what the Lord has done. Look what he's still doing. He's not done with you yet. And here's Ross and Leanne, and they're here now, and God brings that, and the five loaves and two fish again reoffered and say, God, we can't do it. Jesus, you must. And Jesus is like, yes, 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 yes. You admit you can. That's when I start to do my best work. Five loaves, two fish, and the power and the faith as we feel it. we got to re-surrender and recommit. Fill up your prayer meetings, church. Fill up your prayer meetings. That's the best expression of you can't, right? Listen, listen. The couple, the church, the leadership that is prayerless, whether you mean to it or not, you're telling God, we're good, God. We got it. Prayer, by its very definition, is we can't. Prayer says Help. The people who don't pray, the church that doesn't pray is the church communicating to God, we don't need you. The church, the family, the marriage, the individual, the children, the leadership, the elders that pray are communicating, we only got five loaves and two fish, there's 20,000 people, we can't do this. And that's our reality. There's not a person here who can do what God is asking you to do on your own, not a single person. This is the whole point of the gospel. Broken and weak and needy, Jesus Christ is the only one who can fill the gap. From here, what I want to do is I want to see some uh, three points of application or at least clarity as we learn from this miracle about our Savior, Jesus Christ. They'll be on the screen for you. Number one is this, notice, we, from this miracle, Jesus is our sufficiency. Jesus is our sufficiency. Again, that's one of the greatest things we learn in the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, the 15,000, the 20,000. Bring them here to me. Jesus is our sufficiency. To illustrate this in a different way, an illustration that God gave me about 20 years ago, it's stuck with me ever since. I'm gonna put up a little um, pyramid of glasses on the screen for you. You might have seen this before where you have a pyramid of glasses. Sometimes it's champagne. If you wanna put grape juice or something else in or water, it's fine with me. I don't really care, okay? But the pyramid of glasses, when the top glass, when the source pours into the top glass, it overflows. If the source keeps pouring in, the top glass overflows into the second row. They overflow, it flows down. As long as the source keeps pouring in the top glass, every single row will be filled to the brim at the end. It all comes down to the source at the top. The pyramid of glasses is like our life. Christ is the top glass. Our life, what we often do is Christ is the top glass. We like to focus on my job. We like to focus on my family. We like to focus on my personal interest and my relationships that are most key. We neglect Jesus Christ as the source of all life, and we try to focus on compartments, but as long as we neglect Christ and focus on the compartments, only a portion of our life is actually going to be impacted and, and met. Only a here. If you start with Christ, though, at the top, I love this so much. It's so simple but so powerful. If you start 
with Christ at the top, as the top glass. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things are added unto you. You start with Christ at the top. Set your mind on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. You start with Jesus Christ at the top, the sufficiency, the bread of life, the one who gives living water, the great I am, who holds the keys to death and Hades, the one again who's the door to heaven, the one who allows us to live it all. Jesus Christ, top glass, surpassing worth, greatest treasure. You fill your life with the top glass of Jesus Christ, what happens? Guaranteed, guaranteed? Every other aspect of your life will automatically be impacted by the wisdom and the blessing and the power of Jesus Christ. Do you know how many believers fail to seek Jesus Christ on a daily basis for his strength, power, wisdom, and joy? So many are like, yeah, yeah, he's one compartment. He's just one glass, but among many others, all in kind of like a horizontal line. I'll give him a little bit here, and then they ruin the rest of their lives, failing to see There's only one who is the true sufficiency and satisfaction of all of life. When you fill your life, I mean, again, you know, put the other things away. Put school aside for a second. Put the other things aside. Put the job. Just put aside. Just try try Christ all in for a week, for a month. Top class and see what happens. Here's what I guarantee. Life won't get easier. It will get way better. Here's what I guarantee, man. You will start to have the thoughts of God start to flood your mind. He's like, I want a better marriage. Jesus Christ, top glass. I want to have better relationships. Jesus Christ, top glass. I want to know what my future is and my work. Jesus Christ, top glass. You will not, there's no quicker path, not easy path, there's no quicker path to the answers you're looking for than starting with Jesus Christ at the top because what? He is absolutely our sufficiency. Otherwise, you're walking around with five loaves and two fish trying to feed 20,000 people. Good luck. It's not going to happen. And some of you, this is why you've been banging your head against a wall for so many years, because you've been trying to feed 15,000 people with five loaves and two fish, and it's been ridiculous. And you're fed up. Good, good. Come to the realization, be broken. Jesus Christ alone is our sufficiency, which leads us to the second observation here, that Jesus, therefore, is our satisfaction. Look at verse 20. It says, And they all ate and were satisfied. Okay, that's amazing. All, 15, 20,000 people. You know the word satisfied there? It means like literally stuffed. So the people weren't just, they didn't just have enough. They had their fill. You could say, you know, you walk out of the restaurant, you're kind of like, oh man, I'm feeling a little bit like that. Like the people in some form, 20,000 people ate till they were stuffed, fully satisfied. That's incredible. Who can do that? Jesus. Jesus. Everyone was satisfied, pointing to the principle that the satisfaction of all of life is only found in Jesus Christ. He's the only one. For me, it was March 9th, 1997. 22 years old. Tried everything in life. Tried sports, tried relationships, tried partying, even school. Tried all these things. All these things I thought would fulfill me, bottomed out, absolutely miserable, couldn't explain why. Grew up in the church. I believed in God, had nothing to do with him though. I believe he existed, but I love myself way too much to actually do anything for him. Everything was bottoming out. March 9th, 97, my brother was exposed to some Christian music the summer before. He kind of passed something on to me. He's like, you should listen to this. I'm like, that's lame. I went away to a university for that weekend trying to one more time of fulfillment, drove home empty, literally crying on the 403. I remember crying on the 403 from like London down to Mississauga at the time. 
and just saying, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? I was so desperate. I, the CD was sitting there. I was at home alone, my parents' house. They were at church by myself. Put in song number, or put in the CD. Remember CDs? You guys still remember CDs are? Put in the CD. Hit random on the CD player. Song number 10 came on. I opened up the, I was just so desperate. I opened up the jacket, kind of like, God, if you're there, I'm at my end. And this song came on number 10 called In the Light. And it said this. Um, I keep trying to find a life of my own apart from you. I'm the king of excuses. I got one for every selfish thing I do. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. And it says, what's going on inside of me? I despise my own behavior. This only serves to confirm, and here's my gospel right here. I'm still a man in need of a savior. And now it's hard for me to describe right now what took place in that exact moment. My whole life was leading up to this moment right here. The thing I can uh, biblically wrote to Damascus, the Apostle Paul, in terms of scales lifted. For the first, every ounce of Sunday school teaching I ever heard, every ounce of family Bible studies, whatever it is, it all came together in that moment. And all of a sudden, the first time ever, I could see, I could see Jesus Christ was real. Jesus Christ was Savior. I was a horrible sinner, but Jesus Christ had washed me and cleansed me and forgiven me. And Jesus Christ, I literally remember staring in the mirror, crying, like shouting out loud. The poor cat just ran for the hills, you know, terrified, but shouting. I can see, I can see. It makes sense. It makes sense. Jesus is Savior, I'd never ever be the same again. I tried finding fulfillment through the world for 22 years, and in that moment, all of a sudden, the heavens opened and realized the only satisfaction I'll ever know and have and actually will feel and will take me all the way to glory is Jesus Christ the Lord. He is the only satisfaction, never the same again. Let me warn you life has not been easier since that time life has been awesome since that time though it has not been easier it has been so difficult life before christ way easier wouldn't trade it for a thing wouldn't trade it for anything jesus christ the lord eternal life purpose meaning power satisfaction knowing if i die today i know exactly where i'm going no regrets all worth for jesus christ he alone is satisfaction. When all the people eat and are satisfied, that's a principle saying that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the satisfaction. Maybe you're here right now. Maybe you're a young person. Maybe you're an older person. Maybe you resonate with the story I just shared. You've had a knowledge. You've been playing some games. You've tried the world. You've tried drugs. You've tried partying. You've tried relationships. You've tried to pursue. You've tried entertainment. You've tried whatever it is. But in the end, it's not working. It never will work. The world cannot deliver. The world is a lie. The world is a hoax. It will never ultimately satisfy. And you resonate. And maybe for the first time ever, you will finally bow the knee. You will finally repent of sin. And you will finally turn to Jesus Christ and say, I give up. I'm done with my way. I believe. I want to know the satisfaction of Jesus Christ. And if that is you, don't wait another second. Don't wait another second. Jesus Christ enveloping you with love and grace and forgiveness and cleansing you of all sin. This is why he came. This is why he died. This is why he rose again from the dead. Jesus Christ, sufficiency, our satisfaction. And then lastly this, he's our substance. He's our substance. If you look at verse 20, it says, and they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And just before that, notice too, Jesus stands at the head of the table, so to speak, and gives a blessing. You see that? And Jesus looked up and gave thanks. That is awesome, eh? So he stands at the head of the table. It's a table for 20,000. 
And he gives thanks for the food and everyone's fed. What is that? That's a foreshadow of the messianic banquet to come. That's a foreshadow of the marriage supper of the Lamb. When Jesus Christ for all of eternity will stand as head of the table and prepare the marriage supper for all those who are saved and written in the Lamb's book of life and they will eat with him forever for all of eternity. Talk about satisfaction. Talk about sufficiency. Talk about substance. What a beautiful picture that is. And then we see they took up 12 baskets full again of broken pieces. What do you think the 12 baskets full represent here? The scholars and commentators kind of debate on this. One thing we know for sure, why 12 baskets and why full? It speaks to the absolute abundance found in Jesus Christ. His generosity, 12 disciples, 12 baskets, abundance in the provision and the person of Jesus Christ. From what they started with, church, to what they end with, just awesome. 20,000 fed, and then there's leftovers to add to that, the abundance that is found. Just like the manna in the wilderness for the Israelites, Jesus in the wilderness feeding the people manna or bread as well, pointing to the fact that he alone is the bread of life. He is the substance of life itself. That's why Jesus says to us today, bring them here to me. And then lastly, I want you to notice this. Notice in the midst of this awesome miracle, Jesus is the source of all life. He's the source of all provision. But notice he uses his disciples in the beginning of the miracle, in the middle of the miracle, and the end of the miracle. Notice that. So watch here for a second, all right? Jesus is, look up here, look up here. Jesus is the vine. But by God's design, the fruit that comes to the power, the sap, the nutrients, it flows by God's design, flows through the branches. As long as the branch is attached to the vine, the power of the vine flows through the branch. The branch is designed to bear the fruit. The branch by itself can do nothing. If the branch is detached, it dies. As long as the branch is attached to the vine, abiding in the vine, the design of God through the vine is the power will flow from the vine through the branch and bear fruit. That, so we are designed as the branch to be attached to the vine and God's design is for the kingdom to advance and the gospel to be preached through the branches which are the people of God which is the church of God that is so awesome and so encouraging we can't save lives but we are commissioned with the gospel to preach it attached to the source who can save lives and he ensures that the power comes through and the sap and vitality that the fruit is seen and the kingdom advances and the church grows and lost people are saved and found from death and given eternal life God wants to use you church if we attach ourselves to the one who is sufficient, he uses us by his design in the process to see people's lives changed forever. Be encouraged by that. He's the source, but the disciples are used in the beginning and the middle and the end. And of course, the same is true today as well. So where do we go from here? I have three points of simple application on the screen for you, just for you to look at. Three points. Number one, based on this miracle today and this awesome passage, repent of your self-sufficiency. Maybe that's the number one thing you need to do today. You walked in here, you're like, yep, yep, I'm good, I can, I can't. And you're like, no, no, I can't. No, I can do nothing apart from Jesus Christ. Number one, repent. Repent of the sin of self-sufficiency. You've tried too much, too long on your own. That day is done. It's time to turn from that sin of self-reliance and self-sufficiency 
Number two, then you surrender. Hand over your inadequacy. I love doing that. I love, like, there's a reason every time I preach, I kneel down in some level, in some way, say, Lord, I can't do this right now because I just, I just, I can't. There's no way. There's no way. Unable, inadequate. It feels so good just to admit that and hand it over to him again and again. Lord, I, I must have your help. It's just theology living through a life. And then thirdly, trust him in his sovereignty. He knows, man, he's good. He's God. He's awesome. He's king. He's ruling the universe with his feet up. Trust in him. Trust in him. If these things happen in your life, if these things happen in, in your church, I like your chances. I like them a lot. God is looking for the, for the broken, for the weak, and for those who look to him and respond to the command, bring them here to me. Amen, church? Amen. Let me pray for you. I'd love to pray for Harvest Hope Niagara today. In Jesus' name, I do pray for this church, Lord. I'm so thankful for its history. I'm so thankful we share together. It means so much to me, the history of our churches, the relationship, the blessing, the unity. I pray it's as strong as ever, and I pray for favor upon Niagara. I pray for joy. I pray for unity. I pray for wisdom. I pray for clarity. I pray there would be an awesome sense of faith, even right now, I pray there's surrender. I pray there's repentance. I ask, O oh Lord, that you will fill by your Holy Spirit in an awesome way in the weeks, months, and years to come. You will bless this church over and over again with changed lives and faith and such a certainty. God is with us. You have not promised easy, but you have promised us yourself. And so therefore, however that applies today, bring them here. Jesus says that to you personally and corporately. Bring them here to me. May we respond I pray in faithfulness and love, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.